Welcome to the Wellness Revolution Podcast, the radio show all about wellness in your mind, body, spirit, personal growth, sex, and relationships. Stay tuned for weekly interviews featuring guests that have achieved physical, mental, and spiritual health in their lives. If you'd like to have access to our entire back catalog, visit drveronica.com for instant access. And here is your host, Dr. Veronica. I'm Dr. Veronica, medical doctor, medical intuitive, homeopath, and I'm getting up in my running. (laughs) We're going to talk a little bit about that. But also, I have with me my co-host. I'm in New Jersey, in the middle of New Jersey, from the studio in Princeton. But Russell is from New York City, where I spent half of my life, too. Hi, Russell. How are you? Hello, Veronica. I'm great. I'm here to add a little more interest and excitement to this. Oh, no. You see, like, I didn't, like, silence my phone and, like, you hear it ringing and I do exactly (laughs) what I hate everybody else to do. But you know what? This is the society now. I can't stand when people do that. And here I am. I'm doing the same thing. But we've got it all fixed now. It just makes it more interesting that these things happen. But let's go on. Today... We're going to have some, of course, some more interesting guests. We always do. And I always tell my my assistant, who's always out there looking for guests, you got to get somebody that I'm interested in talking to. I don't want to talk about the same old, same old all the time. And let's talk about things that people want to hear about and will make them tune in. So we have hot guests like that today. But I want to just start off talking about men and emotions. I was I like to read the New York Times um, you know, wake up in the morning and get on my iPad. But when it's too early to get up and do anything, this is when I decide I'm going to get my news to just see what craziness is going on around. And um, I like to I'm not necessarily a celebrity watcher, but what craziness is going on and who's done what and what sports teams have won when I fell asleep on it. Because, you know, I'm just one of those type of people I start watching and I have all intent of getting to the end of whatever it is and I never get there. Um, so one of the one of the articles that caught my attention this morning is teaching men to be emotionally honest, teaching men to be emotionally honest. And what the article is talking about and Russell is over there chuckling. <laughs> now, you know, Russell well, it sounds like a dog training. Teaching men. (laughs) Well, some would some would say that men are very close to that species anyway. Um, But (laughs) my my wonderful producer Al is over here laughing about that out loud. Um, But the the i the i article was pointing out how. Although there's the emergence of metrosexuals and the increase of stay-at-home dads, that the tough guy stereotype is still very alive and well. And men are only allowed to display the the emotion of anger, anger in all its glory, but anything else, especially anything that's considered, let's say, quote unquote, soft, like, you know, sadness or pain or anything like that is not supposed to be displayed. And they talked about how even when we take our sons to go get shots, we say, man up, man up, don't do this, don't do that. And we don't, if they're crying or whatever they're doing, we don't 
want to acknowledge that. And there was an experiment done that they talked about in in this classroom of people. They went out and decided, let me just see how different people react to men having emotional moments. And so these college students went out. They went someplace public. And the woman sat where she was and she cried and people came up and said, oh, what's the matter? Can I help you? The man did the same thing. He sat someplace and he cried and nobody came to say anything to him. And so it's amazing how um, men have are not allowed. We're, we're supposed to be so open and honest, but men are still not supposed to show the full display of emotions, which all humans have. And in fact, it has been shown in studies that human baby, male babies actually display more emotions than do female babies. And so we go from um, a broad spectrum of emotional beings with males to where there's one emotion that they're allowed to do. Um, and this may be why there's so many pent up emotions. There's high levels of violence and suicides and, and, and behaviors like this that are just awful for our society and the rest of the world. Because here we are, we're in America where, you know, maybe people are allowed to display a little bit more stuff, stuff. If you go to other cultures and societies where, you know, it's more, I don't want to call it old school. I don't even know what to call it to not be offensive. But, you know, there's there's countries where it's still very male dominated. <laughs> and those are more you know places where men are really not allowed to display a whole lot. And so the, I, I just thought this was something that was interesting um, that that is is going on what do you think about that russell as far as emotionals now you are n- not heterosexual and so pro- i i would venture to say that you have felt like that you could display more emotions than your average heterosexual male is that right wrong where am i on that that i spend most afternoons crying no <laughs> just um well, yeah, I am a homosexual. I'm not sure how much that has to do to do with it directly, but being a performer, I learned early on how to, um, uh, you know, display emotion and shepherd emotion, you know, so that it doesn't get away from you, you know, in a in a fit of frenzy, and you can use it to serve your being or what have you. So you're saying more just because of your background as an actor that you display emotions? It has nothing to do with your you know, personal way of viewing life and how you live it? Well, I'm not afraid to cry. Um, in public? Not on stage? In a Oh, it's happened. <laughs> but, you know, you know, there's the cliche, of course, of the gay men um, going to pieces at the sight of, of Judy Garland because she was... She wore her emotions so on her sleeves and so openly. So, yeah, I would say, actually, I'll change my vote a little bit. I think it's both very much. I think we're inspired and loosened up when we see others expressing stuff. But do you think that we see men displaying more? Uh, you look at the media, are men displaying more than just sort of like that sort of angry um, emotion or just very super duper masculine one way of doing things emotion? Oh, yeah. I think things have gotten better for sure. 
So they've gotten better. Well, <laughs> I think they've gotten a little bit better. I, I would like to see it. You know, I'm I'm the mother of three sons. I just I don't think it's gotten all that better. Looking at looking over how they are in in their generation, and they're you know a lot younger, but you know in the in so the you young adult range. Like, so you you don't feel like they were uh, shown really healthy role models of uh, men who could just express themselves. I don't think they've seen the full range. I think they've seen the full range, but feeling comfortable that they can display the full range. I don't believe mm-hmm. that that's mm-hmm. what they've seen. I'm not saying they haven't seen it in a personal range standpoint, but just looking around you, I don't think that there's models for that. But mm-hmm. I want to go on because we have some interesting guests here. <laughs> um, and this is this is very um Another way of doing this, we're going to talk about, we're going to talk to um, Patricia Johnson and Mark Michaels, who are authors, and they talk about designer relationships. And um, this is a, a different area, too, where men are allowed to express a little bit different in, in relationships because we're talking about um, tantra and erotic empowerment and um, relationships that are other than your everyday um, mom and pop go home, monogamy forevermore <laughs> type relationship. Um, and, you know, I, I, I talk about this because I know a lot of people who um, in the background of their life are in, let's call it alternative relationships. And I say in the background of their life, because whenever you live like this and um, it's not well accepted, you may be. Um, in a relationship where um, it looks different than what's accepted. And so therefore, you don't come out. And so when I say that, I know a lot of women who are in relationships where um, they're a longstanding other woman and they have chosen to be that way. Um, and so they're in a relationship that's a triangle. Um, sometimes the person that's the wife agrees other time or 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 there's complicit agreement, meaning they don't really talk about it and say they agree, but it's allowed to go on for a long time and everybody figures out what it is. Um, But then there's these other type of relationships where um, just it's 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 more um, interesting and open and honest than what we see in these relationships where people do not. Here's what I call it. Don't have the courage to do it any other way, because that's the way I believe it is. Um, so I want to bring on uh, Patricia Johnson and uh, yeah, Patricia Johnson and Mark Michaels. And they are the author of Designer Relationships, A Guide to Happy Monogamy, Positive Polyamory and Optimistic Open Relationships. <sighs> Optimistic Open Relationships. That's an interesting one. So Patricia and Mark, welcome to Wellness for the Real World. We're happy to be here. So, Thanks for having us. <laughs> thank you for being on. Give me a little bit of background. Um, this is this is an area where people say, oh, my God, nobody lives like that. Nobody wants to live like that. Tell us a little bit about how you evolved into writing a book about positive polyamory, am, po- positive polyamory, <laughs> positive polyamory and optimistic open relationships. And happy monogamy. And happy monogamy. But I mean, you know what? Here's the problem. When we talk about happy monogamy, there's a lot of people who stay in relationships that are monogamous, 
they think. And they're they're so unhappy. And so happy monogamy First of all, tell us, happy monogamy, how do people come to happy monogamy? <laughs> Does that sound like an oxymoron? <laughs> well, I mean, I, I'm, I'm, yes, but go ahead. <laughs> well, I think one of, the, one of the key things, and it's really the same regardless of your relationship structure, is that if you're going to be in a happy relationship, it's one that you choose, and it's one that you keep on choosing. So a lot of people think, oh, I'm, I'm in a monogamous relationship, we've met, you know, we've moved in together or gotten married or whatever it is, and everything will take care of itself, and I don't even really have to think about what it means to be in a monogamous relationship. So they're not really choosing, they're just falling into a default. So our main criticism is about default monogamy. That's when one where um, people just get together um, and they don't think about the purpose of their relationship, what, they, what they're doing together, what they hope to gain, and more importantly, what does... Um, if they choose to be monogamy, what does that word even mean to them? Uh, it's interesting when you ask what it means to them. But I think what happens is people get together. They say, okay, we're going to be an exclusive couple. And it happens long before you decide to do any legal changes in a relationship. Um, and things are going on well, but then you get down the line past two years, past when the oxytocin relationship changes off and the excitement wears off and, and you start feeling like, hmm, this is a little bit boring. But the other part of it is, and you know, I'm surprised that I'm married again. I realize, why do I say that? I say that because there's so many facets of me that I felt like I, I'm not going to be in a, a, a monogamous relationship just because, well, this one guy, he fulfills this need, and this guy fills this need, and this. And one of my friends to me say, you need about five guys because you're a complex person and having about five guys and not expecting one person to fulfill every need will likely work best for you rather than expecting one person to fulfill a need. That's so very true. I mean, I think that the big problem in, in the way that monogamy is so often practiced in our society is that, and this is a fairly new thing. I mean, it's only the last 150 years or so where this has been expected culturally and maybe even less than that that you look to this one other person to be everything for you. And that's an impossible burden for anyone to carry. Yeah, no one can possibly fulfill every, every you know, need, interest, desire, be emotionally available to you or, you know, all in one person. That's just a heavy burden. We're all really complex beings. What do you do when you get in a situation where you realize this is just not working for me? I would like something else, but yet you want to be true to your partner, faithful to your partner. How do you negotiate those waters? What do you do? to look at what your relationship habits are currently and make sure you are fully appreciating one another in the present sense before you start examining or looking toward uh, shifting anything. And, if, and then when you just do decide that you want to you shift, I mean, one thing that we encourage for people, even if they're deciding that they're going to remain exclusive, is to treat their, their erotic life together as, as a joint adventure and not something where it's a chore or it's like I'm doing this so that the other person will pleasure me or whatever it is. If you really can have a collaborative attitude and say, we're going to explore our, our intimacy and we're going to have fun with it and be playful, and it's not going to be just out of obligation, it's, it's a joint adventure, 
that can be really transformational as well, even if you're not bringing any other people into the picture. Right, and, and have, have um, conversations, conversations about what sexuality means to you. I mean, we bring this up because it is such a core aspect to uh, bringing happiness to many couples, albeit not all couples. So I do want to point that out as well. It's interesting that you jumped right over into the erotic life and... Um, you know, for for different people, it's not only the erotic life. And so when somebody, you know, one of my friends who was saying to me, you need five guys, it wasn't five guys just because you want to have a variety of sex. It was more about the intellectual stimulation, because for somebody like me, what makes me feel like I'm living life is to always have the intellectual stimulation and because when you're when you're a fast thinking person when you're a fast thinking person a lot of times it's difficult for people to keep up <laughs> so it was more about all right if you want the variety of what you need you just got to have a lot of people in your life and to be able to have a deep and discussions, it's going to have to be a little bit more intimate than just somebody who is your friend. Yeah, and I think for a lot of people that's who, who identify as being in monogamous relationships, even that kind of intimacy with others can be really threatening. But it's very, very helpful, and it's really important to have outside interests and friendships and things that don't make you just sort of implode on each other all the time. Um, for, for most people, it's, it's really important to have some some other outlets. Now, I'm not talking about going and, and griping to someone about your partner, because that can really lead to more dissatisfaction rather than less. But to have places where you can go and express aspects of yourself that your partner maybe isn't even interested in. Yes, that's very true. I I believe the person who is not in the relationship, who's the outside, the outside people, have to understand what the roles are, and you, it has to be clear that hey, you know what, we're friends, but there's there's not anything else. And I believe also in your mind, you have to say. I have a primary relationship. This is going to be my primary relationship, and I'm not planning on shifting it because I'm happy with this, and I would like to be respectful to my partner. So whenever I deal with people who are a male who may have interest in me, and I don't know what the interest is, I always am clear. You know, when I'm married, I'm happily married. We can be friends, but I want to just make sure that we're clear that I'm I'm happily married and I'm planning on staying that way. And don't try to make it any other way because that would be offensive to me for me to for you to try to move the relationship in another way. And so to think that you're behind the scenes and if I hang in there long enough and do things long enough, I'm going to shift you out of that relationship, that would be very disrespectful to me. So up front, if you try to do that, let me just say game over with you. Um, do you know that people do people usually do things like that? I think people, uh, you know, approach their relationship very much like that sometimes, but there are also people who approach it and say, you know, they have uh, more open agreements with their primary partner or their, you know, and um, all the partners that they're with, and they have really open and established understanding so that there isn't someone vying to change the situation. It's, it's um, less covert and more upfront. No, I think that, that setting boundaries, whatever your, you know, your style is, and whether, whether there's a possibility that it might become some other kind of relationship or not, that's, it's much, much better to be clear and upfront about that from the start, because otherwise 
uh, it's really unfair to the other person. Yes. So, Russell, you got to jump in here. I know you're like chomping at the bit to like ask a question about this. Well, yeah, I am actually. Um, hi, guys. I'm glad you're on today. This is interesting stuff. Um, I'm fascinated by what you mentioned about um, a couple, presumably gay or straight, who um, might decide to embark together on a little exploration of other sexual practices like um, polyamory or open relationships. That seems to me real scary. Do many couples do that, really? Oh, gosh. There are, uh, studies are estimating about 10% of society are in some form of open relationship. And actually, in the gay community, it's a much, much higher percentage than that um, from, from the research that's out there. Um, so, you know, Dan Savage coined a term monogamous to apply to his relationship, and that's a, a fairly common arrangement. I think for a lot of people, broaching the subject can be really difficult, but... Um, relationship satisfaction among the people who are, who are doing various kinds of non-monogamy is generally higher. Um, and all sorts of other measures of, of success in relationships seems to be higher. Right. And so my theory as to why there's uh, higher satisfaction not, isn't necessarily about how they're behaving in the world. It's because of what they're doing behind the scenes. And that's communicating. And they're communicating very, very well. And this is something most couple therapists are dealing with. Every couple comes in, and the main thing they're addressing is communication issues. So if people learn how to practice how open relationships are, are done, regardless of how they decide to behave, they're going to learn how to communicate better and understand one another better. What do you mean by how open relationships are done? Well, when they're done well and people are really being transparent with one another, um, there, there are lots of things that, that can come into the conversation that in a more conventional kind of relationship often would not. Uh, it's the nature of the beast that you have to have good communication if you're going to navigate the complexities of it. Right. So you're, you're having more detailed discussions about sexuality, um, open relationship. Uh, people in open relationships tend to practice safer sex at a higher rate than those who are uh, ostensibly monogamous and cheating. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and use less drugs and alcohol as well. So um, there's a lot of detailed discussions about that also around um, issues of jealousy or um, just... Boundaries in general and, and agreements and understandings. Um, we really encourage people, whatever their structure, uh, to write a statement of purpose and to think about what their, their hopes are and their desires for and where, how they'd like to see the relationship evolve. So we're really all about being very purposeful in this. And if you're going to open your relationship, it's important. It's, it's just crucial to have those conversations. So I'm sure that the audience is saying that listens. Why are we talking about open relationship? This is supposed to be a health show. Well, it is a health show because, as I say, as, on my medical intuitive side, when people are manifesting in their body their fear, their anger, their sadness, then that turns into a physical disease, and then you're sick, and then you're a burden. And so um, you have to learn how to speak your truth, and part of speaking your your truth is deciding 
what type of relationship is really going to work for you. And so for those people who are not in a relationship now, as you're going into a relationship, I think it's important up front to speak what your truth is. Here's what I believe I it's going to look like for me. This is what I feel like that I need. Um, you have to say what you believe is going to work for you up front so that the person that you are going into the relationship with of any kind, even if it's just a hookup, understands what you're doing and why you're doing it, as opposed to nobody's saying anything. And then you have this expectation in your mind as the way it is supposed to be. And it's interesting because at the beginning of my relationship with my with my husband now, um, when, when I first met, I was dating several people and he just made it clear that this doesn't work for me. And, you know, although you think I'm going to be part of the mix, this is just not how I'm going to do it. And so we had a lot of upfront discussion where we were batting heads. We were you know, about what it was going to look like. Now, he's from a different culture where serial monogamy is the way it's done. <laughs> this yeah. is the way we think. We think serial monogamy is okay. So you can have a lot of partners, but you're not, spo- not supposed to have them all at the same time. <laughs> Whereas, okay, see, so my husband's from West Africa, and this is the way they do it. Although the men a lot of times have several people in relationships, but not the women. But here we are in America where, you know, I was dating people. And so therefore I had no exclusivity with anybody. And so far as I was concerned and all the other women around me were concerned is, you know, if we're just we're dating and there's no exclusivity that's been discussed, it's all fair game. And so we were having a real, you know, situation in the, in the beginning about how our relationship was going to look. But obviously we figured it out or we would not have decided to get married. But um, my, uh, Patricia and Mark, tell people where they can find you just because this is a topic that people want to know about. They don't want to necessarily talk about. So where do they go to find you? We're at uh, www.michaelsandjohnson.com. And And they can order designer relationships directly from us via the website. Um, It's also available on Amazon and at local bookstores, et cetera. So uh, it's it's out there and people can find it either through us or, or other means. Yeah, and this is a very nuanced topic, so we welcome any questions your listeners might have. We'll, we'll do our best to uh, find sources for you or answer ourselves. So now you guys are so interesting. You know that you're going to have to be on the show again because right now we only talked about pretty much the happy monogamy here. <laughs> and, and there's so much else that we can talk about. So, of course, if people are saying, I want more, I want more yes you're going to get more because they're going to be on again Um, we have to talk about more about designer relationships because getting your relationship right is so important all your relationships right especially your romantic relationships and so I thank you so much Patricia and Mark that's michaelsandjohnson.com go visit them at their website I'm Dr. Veronica Wellness for the Real World you can find me at drveronica.com Thank you for listening to the Wellness Revolution Podcast. If you want to hear more on how to bring wellness into your life, visit drveronica.com. See you all next week. Take care.